This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, I'm joined by Bard MBA's Carolyn Pincus, and we're speaking with Luke Truman, Sustainability Lead and Manager of Facilities and Major Systems at the Allagash Brewing Company. Thanks so much for being here, Luke. Um, we're really excited to do this interview today. Thanks for having me. We're going to dive right in, and I was hoping you could give the listeners a quick intro uh, just about Allagash Brewing Company, um, your you know, time in the company, the founder, and um, what led the organization eventually into the sustainability space. Well, um, Allagash was founded in 95 by Rob Todd, and uh, we are a Belgian-inspired brewery, so most of our beer, or all of our beers have some sort of Belgian influence. Um, We have about 130 employees now, so we're looking at uh, 100,000 barrels of beer this year, Um, and we are best known for our Allagash White Beer, which is, uh, you know, a Belgian wit. And that's about 80% of what we do. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're in Portland, Maine, and uh, all of our beer is is produced in Portland. Um, we are still independently owned by by Rob Todd. He's very involved in in day to day operations as well. Um, and then I've been with the company for about six years now. Um, I was actually employee 38. I don't know why why I know that, but I do. And um, since then, we've you know tripled in volume, tripled in employees, and uh, seen a lot of a lot of pretty insane growth and some really really cool stuff come from that for sure. As far as our um, transition into, I shouldn't say transition because it's it's more been part of been part of the company from the beginning, but uh, there's no real direct line as far as our sustainability work um it's it's been in the business plan from the beginning um i'm not sure what what rob called it to begin with it wouldn't have been sustainability but he's definitely uh definitely engaged in in that end of the world and then and then um from there to our core values to um, employees and employee engagement, and uh, it's basically kind of a big hodgepodge mess of everything has led us to to be certainly proactive on sustainability issues. Um, it's been a pretty pretty cool journey, I suppose. Yeah, I bet. Um, how have you seen the landscape sort of change uh, coming, you know, from the mid-90s, the, as you were saying, it's a very different landscape. Not even sure if Rob Todd used the word sustainability. How have you sort of watched that evolution uh, in terms of, you know, not only your employee engagement and, you know, the ability to integrate all of this, but um, just from other vendors and customers and the, the overall landscape? I think that the, that has been um 
it's it's certainly become more of a focus as a whole. I think with the rise of the craft industry, um, there are about 5,300 craft breweries now, and uh, and so it, it kind of went from from being an industry that was expected to die and go away to to getting more and more attention. And as it's gotten more and more attention, and as as environmental issues have have become so much more prevalent, I suppose, or have gotten so much more focus, um, the craft industry is, has fallen in, in line, I suppose, or, or brought much more attention to issues or issues have brought more attention to the craft industry. And I think that it's, you know, played off of, uh, they've each played off of each other, I suppose. Yeah, that's that is something that I love about the craft beer industry is that it always seemed to me an industry that is very cognizant of its surroundings um, and very like thoughtful about. For the most part, there are exceptions, but for the mm-hmm. most part, that sort of um, navigate in a thoughtful way in this environment. Um, maybe would you be able to tell us about? Uh, Allegation sort of recent accomplishments in sustainability, any sort of um, adoptions or transitions that you're particularly um, excited to tell us about? Yeah, sure. Um, so I suppose there, there are a, a ton of projects I could go through um, if we wanted to in the last, in the last few years, um, but uh, just go through kind of a few recent, recent changes that have happened probably let's say three years we'll focus on that little time period um so in that in that time period we've we've been able to with our volume i suppose um been able to enact some pretty cool projects um so we've transitioned to using bulk chemicals over over using drum chemicals and we've been able to put a a solar array on our roof. Um, we've been doing lighting upgrades and air system upgrades, and uh, we've been able to use trials to eliminate the need for any sort of media filtration. Um, we've upgraded our centrifuge hour. Um, we've been able to replace other filtration with, with UV light sterilization and um, and then in more recently, we've we've gotten to commit to purchasing more local grains. So last, actually, I think it was this year, um, we committed to purchasing a million pounds of, of Maine grown and processed grain by the year 2021. Um, so stepping up, stepping up our our use of, of local grains in that in between now and then to step it up to 1 million pounds in that year. Um, we've also gotten involved in the Glass Recycling Coalition, which is a, a national group that's that's handling the issue with waste glass in the states and kind of how it's, it's undervalued, I suppose, and look at the potential to return it to glass vessels. Um, we've done some mechanical cooling projects. Uh, one in particular, we've been able to use outside air to cool our 
largest um, refrigerated space and put some um, in, in doing so it's it's a free air system that also controls the evaporated units in in the space and allows for a a much more efficient system but b to use outside air when the temperature is within one degree of the set point so in maine we have a lot of a lot of days where we don't have to pay for cooling in that space um and then we've also been active in a, a uh, waste materials project, uh, which is a, a more recent endeavor to work with other manufacturers and local groups to to find better homes or better uses for usable manufacturing waste rather than rather than just recycling or landfilling them. Those are a few of the, few of the projects, anyway. But, uh, there's a there's one more I forgot to tell you. Um, we've been able to use um, waste CO2 from from processing beer to keep head pressure on a tank that we're processing processing beer out of. So historically, what we would do is put pressure on a tank, process through our centrifuge into another tank and vent the pressure that we've kept on that tank into the atmosphere. So now we just essentially close the loop. That last technology sounds really interesting. I would love to see that um, in person. The local green in uh, Maine, that initiative, that's, that's really cool. I didn't know about that. I was wondering, is there, are there a lot of Malt producers or barley, you know, barley farmers in Maine is that is that a an easy to grow crop in that area of the world, and um, is it something else that other Maine breweries are doing? Yeah, Maine used to be the breadbasket of of New England, and uh, so grain grows here rather well. And um, also, what is what it's allowing farmers to do is to to rotate their crops using using a grain that can then have more value than say just for animal feed so they're able to you know use it for beer and thus get more money out of it which has been very helpful for several farms um and then there are a lot of breweries that are that there's some in maine that are Using exclusively main grown grains, and then there's there are a bunch that are that are using some main grown grains for sure. That is great. Um, so, in terms of the future, uh, you guys are already you know pretty established as a sustainable business. Where are you looking to sort of grow within the sustainability space? What projects do you have? you know, coming up on the horizon, or is there anything in particular you're personally interested in, um, in sustainability? Uh, yeah, so so I could go on for days about what I'm personally <laughs> interested in. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as the, as, as far as projects we have planned, we, uh, we don't have anything really on the books. Um, we have our feelers out in a bunch of different directions, and, and that's Typically, how we we approach projects, whether they be sustainability based or just in in general, 
Um, but uh, a couple that we've been talking about more and more have been CO2 recovery. Um, so as you ferment beer, you essentially create CO2. The yeast eats the sugars, and, and currently we've bent that to the atmosphere. And, um, and then we buy CO2 in bulk. So if we could capture that and process it, process it and, and reuse it, then we essentially, you know, close the loop on that. And then um, another project we've been talking about is, is owning more of our power. So right now we purchase Windrex to offset our, our power uses. And um, we don't really know exactly what that money is doing. And so if we were to be able to own, own more solar or a share of the wind farm or the like, we would you know, be able to, I guess, feel the ownership a little more. Um, and then what I would like to see a, a couple of, a couple of things I would like to see is, is more heating and cooling efficiencies and more use of waste heat. Um, and then on down to as simple of projects as improving our landscape management practices and getting more involved in our supply chain. And um, one thing that we've started to do recently is get much more involved in our um, watershed and the protection of the of the Portland watershed and or Greater Portland, I should say. And um, and I am certain that that will continue, but I would like to see us get more and more involved in that. And then um, another would be um, getting involved in the local hops farming a little more. Um, so, you know, we're pretty heavily involved in in uh, local grains and and uh, malting and and um, I think that we could we could have a as positive of an impact on hop capabilities here. Hmm. I didn't know that there was also hop farms in Maine. Um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, so. And the in terms of the glass recycling, I know you mentioned it before, but um, it's something that when we spoke previously, it was really kind of exciting. Um, but it also seems like an incredibly challenging sort of landscapes, you know, just even to um, sort of integrate and then sort of to, I think, I don't know, it just seems like a lot of switching gears. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about uh, the Glass Recycling Coalition, how you guys plan to get more involved uh, with that and a little bit about it for the listeners who may not know about um, glass waste issues. Yeah, so there are there are a lot of um I suppose in the last I can't even throw a year at you, but it seems that um the zero sort recycling has definitely taken taken charge as far as waste management and so so essentially putting everything into one bin and that bin goes to a, a material recovery facility which then sorts through everything and, and you know, separate the, the streams to where they should go. Um, and what has been happening more and more lately is 
is material recovery facilities or haulers are refusing to take glass. And even when they are, a lot of times that glass is either being used for landfill cover or just basically, um, you know, best case scenario, road base aggregate. Um, it's it's not being used in uh, in up to its potential, I suppose. Um, and so what this coalition, what this coalition was um, created for was to not only recognize and and address these issues, but also bring together the uh, the folks that are manufacturing glass, the folks that are hauling glass, the folks that are um, running the material recovery facilities, and then the end users and also the producers and producers that'll use the waste stream as well. So, so what we're hoping to do and what, what the idea is behind this is to not only ban the end users together to, to expect more recycled content in their glass, um, but also to help help municipalities and help material recovery facilities and haulers come up with solutions to to the problem and and ways to work around and ways to inform people and and so it's it's you know a huge complicated problem and and there's really no one solution every every community is different every material recovery facility is different so so there's really no way to to just blanket it, but at the same time, there's a tremendous value in in glass and in the in the recycled content. It takes significantly less energy to make glass out of out of recycled coal versus versus raw materials. You know, I I did end up reading that study by New Belgians that showed that canned beer versus glass bottle beer really has, you know, almost the same carbon footprint uh, because of the mining process of aluminum, which I found really, really interesting. So I, um, I just am personally really interested in the glass uh, recycling issues. So I, that was great. Um, and I, I do want to ask because I, you know, my own background in, um, in the craft beer world, there seems to be this really interesting, um, I don't want to call it a divide, but it seems to be there's two sort of mindsets. Um, I've spoken to other craft breweries that are as excited as Allagash is in terms of functioning in a sustainable way, integrating it as part of their business plan. And then I've talked to other people and read other missions of other breweries, other craft breweries in our industry that don't even you know, there's that there's just no sort of influence in terms of sustainable technologies and there's just these two different groups that I think are really interesting. I was wondering if you had any thoughts as to why craft brewers or brewers in general for that matter um, seem to hold back from investing in these sustainable technologies. Well, um, I would say that that that's a it's a, a really complicated subject <laughs> to put it lightly <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> 
in a general um, way. And it, like, yeah. how can how can listeners sort of um, understand you know challenges when if you know we have listeners who are trying to assist in overcoming these obstacles? What are sort of the common setbacks or roadblocks that you've found in the industry? So it's kind of I guess a, a big part of the the issue is is that it's kind of an economy of scale for for one um so the craft industry in 2016 produced 24 million barrels of beer the uh domestic as a whole so if you i guess domestic minus craft was like 115 million barrels meaning that that you know domestic as a whole is producing 2.2 million barrels a week where craft as a whole is producing 462,000 so there are like 5,300-ish breweries, craft breweries in the U.S. And uh, so meaning the, you know, average size is is extremely small. So, you know, Allagash is considered, well, at least in 2000 and early 2017, I think we were 44 out of um, all breweries in the U.S. So, and we're 100,000 barrels. So, you know, the domestic minus craft, they're producing three times our annual volume in a in a day. So it's kind of insane to to think of it as like as I suppose you know, one band considering that there are like fifty three hundred moving parts and, and as a whole we're we're having such a, a minor or we're producing such a minor volume, but um, that doesn't that doesn't allow us to, or that's no excuse, I suppose. Um, I think that the biggest issue is kind of a bandwidth issue, uh, money issue, and then just a, just kind of a scrambling to get, keep your feet under on the ground issue. So your typical your typical brewery, say, producing, you know, let's say 2,000 barrels of beer a year um, is focusing so much on just being able to produce that amount of beer to do it at a high quality to basically fight for tap handles and fight for customers. And so it's just a, an extremely competitive market. and um, they're probably going to invest first in say some sort of equipment to improve their quality or to get a little more volume out of their brewery before they before they're you know even thinking about the sustainability end of things um and then on another end um your typical contractors are are essentially who's providing guidance for for the brewers as far as the new technologies and what's out there and and um you know most of them are just trained to do what they know how to do they aren't trained to to do brewery specific work and so it's kind of you know what's what's available or what's um on hand for these for your brewers and then what they're being told as far as the possibilities and then 
they're shown, you know, if they're if they are even asking the questions as far as what could be the the most environmentally friendly option, they're shown a price tag that isn't really something they're able to wrap their heads around. I suppose. I think that um, you know, your typical brewer is making beer and focused on on beer, and that's kind of how their head works. Everything's flowing around as as far as you know high quality beer and so the rest of it doesn't it's i suppose less of a less of a priority because none of it really matters if you're not able to make the high quality beer and and make it consistently so that your customers keep coming back (laughs) yeah no that's a great point for small businesses in general because what you're describing i think definitely represents the craft beer you know, the challenges of the craft beer industry and running a small business, but running a small business in general when you're just trying to, yeah, sort of keep afloat, you know, every day and, um, you know, day-to-day operations can can wear people out. And then, you know, on top of that, to try and implement these solutions can be super challenging. Um, what, what do you see the role in sort of local and state policy on this? Recently, uh, down here in New York City, um, I believe, I just I just read about this last week that um, any new breweries uh, going forward have to have a wastewater treatment sort of program in place in order to operate as a brewery in the city now, um, which mm-hmm. I imagine is you know if that goes through and you know will be obviously you know incredibly helpful but also you know probably somewhat prohibitive. Um, for new, you know, fledgling brewers. So, um, but I can see both sides, and I wanted to know your take on that, if you think it's a progressive influence on the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's it's certainly something that that wastewater in particular. I've been actually fielding a fair amount of calls, and I, yeah. I toured our wastewater um, treatment plant on Friday, actually. So, um, but uh, wastewater in particular is is one of the big ones and and I mean it can definitely be cost prohibitive um requiring every brewery to have a treatment system or you know balance their pH and and um at the same time it's you know as more and more breweries come online and we're seeing it within the our water district as well um it's having a a big impact on the system as a whole and so we need we need the the water treatment plants to be able to operate in order for them to be compliant so that it doesn't you know they'll they'll turn around and put that cost back on the brewers if they're if they're seeing that the brewers are the cause for these you know really hard to manage waste products i think that the that the guidance is important or that the the regulation is important i think that it's also important for brewers before they start a brewery to take the time and understand the impact of what they're doing and to talk to other breweries. And I think that it's also important for the regulators to be talking to breweries and to ask them about their practices and to approach them not as a, as a regulator, but as, or at, mu- at least a, the same as, as somebody that wants to see the industry thrive and be more of a guidance as much of a guidance as they are a regulator and so i i mean i think that it's 
extremely valuable for and has a ton of potential for the regulators to be directly involved in the brewers and for the brewers to also be involved with the regulators. You know, our our policy is, you know, not a formal policy, I suppose, but we are an open book with our regulators because we want to know our impact. We want to know what we're doing down the line and we want to help them. We want to help other brewers as well to make sure that you know, that they are within compliance and that they are, they understand what their wastewater is doing to the system as a whole. You know, aspirationally, where do you, Allagash, serve as a model to other craft brewers or maybe companies that haven't been around as long or even just entering this field since it seems at least in New York, my limited experience, and Carolyn, correct me, it just seems in the past five years, there's like small brewers popping up everywhere mm-hmm. um, and they don't necessarily have the means, but they are good intentions. So if there is a bit of advice that you could possibly have um, for someone entering this game, what would it be? How can you ensure that you're not harming um, the communities that you're operating in with your practices yeah well i i think i mean that's a that's a really great question and i think that's what what i've been seeing more and more in the last years not only is is potentially harming a community through through your practices on the brewing front but also say moving into a neighborhood and and creating a creating an attraction that eventually drives people out of that neighborhood and uh almost like um, expediting gentrification, but I think that the I suppose the the most important thing being a proactive member of that community because that's essentially what a brewery is. It's like a community center, and so what brewers have, I suppose, I would I would personally call it an obligation to conduct themselves within that community as an engaged member. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Luke. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Visit Allagash.com to learn even more about their sustainability and community initiatives and to see a full line of their products. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, April 6th, when we'll be speaking with Casey Gray of The Conscious Builder. BARD MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at mba.bard.edu.